0: Right. So we are finishing up Unit 6 of Parables of Jesus. And Unit 6 is Blind Guides. Jesus had some harsh rebukes for Pharisees and scribes and lawyers of the law who were making it very challenging for the common people to get connected to God and stay connected to God. Now, the heart of God for people is like the heart of the Father for the prodigals. Sinners who repent, God wants to receive them. But the religious people instead were making all kinds of rules and man-made regulations that made it very difficult, rather than showing mercy to make it easier for people to connect with God and stay connected with God. So we're going to cover a parable today that will be familiar to many of you, but I believe that the Lord wanted me to put it here because it is a lawyer that challenges Jesus in this context. Now, we said a lawyer. This would have been a man not in a court of law like in the Roman court, but this would have been a lawyer of the law of Moses, a lawyer of Torah, one who day in and day out was deciding on behalf of the elders and according to the law of Moses, what was permitted and what was forbidden. That's what the lawyer would be doing. He would be examining all of the finer points of the law all the time based on specific cases that would be brought to his attention to say, this is okay, this is acceptable by the law, or this is unacceptable acceptable by the law. This is forbidden by the law. So this is a man who would have known the scripture very, very well. And he came to Jesus to test him. But Jesus responds with the parable of the good Samaritan. And I've included that here in the unit on blind guides, because this is a parable about a priest and a Levite who turned away and refused to see the need of a man who who had been abused and left for dead. So, in this parable, Jesus is demonstrating that the priest and the Levite are the blind guides who are missing the heart of. Of God. Well, let's set this context up. So, this is in the book of Luke. This is actually in chapter 10. Jesus had just sent out the 72 to proclaim the kingdom of God, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and they came back with rejoicing. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Woohoo! And Jesus rejoiced. It's the only time Jesus leapt for joy. He rejoiced in his spirit that God. God had revealed his ways and the kingdom to these babes, these simple ones, and not to those who were wise in their own sight. And he told the disciples how blessed they were that they were seeing all of these things because many righteous people through the centuries had longed to see what they were seeing. Many righteous people through the centuries were waiting for Messiah, were waiting for the kingdom of God to come. We're waiting for the sick to be healed, the blind to see, the lame to leap. They were waiting for the works of Messiah and the mercy of God. So in this context, that is when the lawyer stood up in the crowd to put Jesus to the test by asking him a question. So this is Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, "'And who is my neighbor?' So that is the setup for this parable. Now, if you know your scriptures, you know that the book of Deuteronomy says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your might. And then in the book of Leviticus, the command is given, don't hold a grudge against your fellow Israelite, love your neighbor as yourself. That's where these commands come from. So they're not exactly back to back in the law. The lawyer would have had to really have meditated and understood a thing or two about the law and the prophets, which was his job. But it's truly remarkable that so many of the Pharisees and the things that we've talked about in this unit, the Pharisees were missing it left and right, completely missing the heart of God and the priorities of God. As a matter of fact, we've talked about that in several units now, how Jesus is using parables to rebuke the Pharisees for their lack of understanding the heart of God. Well, this lawyer, he had studied. Yes, what is really important to God is that you love him with all your heart. And what's really important to God is that you love your neighbor as yourself. These are the things that reflect the heart of God. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So we have to remember, now sometimes with reform theology or post-Reformation theology, people can get very excited about by grace through faith, by grace through faith. The law is bad. The new covenant is good. But that's not exactly the right perspective. The law is true and right and just and holy and good. And the Apostle Paul says so in Romans chapter 7. The law is right and good. In the Old Covenant, that is the way that God had made to attain eternal life. The law works by itself. The law works if anyone would put it to work. But also in the book of Romans, Paul makes clear that the law was weakened by the flesh It's not the law's fault that no one has been able to fulfill the law. It's flesh's fault that no one has been able to fulfill the law. It's sin's fault that no one has been able to fulfill the law. This is what makes what Jesus did so remarkable. Jesus fulfilled the law. Why? Because he was not weakened by the flesh. Yes, he had a flesh and blood like yours and like mine, but he was strengthened from within, by the power of the Holy Spirit, so that he was tested in all points, but without sin. So Jesus, when he is asked, what do you have to do to inherit eternal life? He said, what's in the law? Because he's pointing to the law. Well, the way to eternal life, the way that God has given to attain eternal life is the law of Moses. If you can obey the law of Moses, then you will inherit eternal life. So he's saying to the lawyer, how do you read it? What does the law say? And the lawyer gives this answer. And Jesus says, do this and you will live. You have understood from the law of God what the heart of God really is. Love God and love your neighbor. That's the heart of God. If you can really do that, you will have eternal life. Now, Jesus didn't mention that everyone who's ever lived has been completely and totally unable to do that or to fulfill that, but he is having a good conversation with this lawyer. But the lawyer who wants to debate, you know, he's creating an argument and he's doing it because he wants to justify himself. He wants to be right. He wants to be right in his own sight. He wants to be right in the sight of man. And he wants to have clarity because remember, these lawyers, they were looking for loopholes everywhere. So he's looking for, okay, what's the out? If I can't fulfill that, then who exactly is my neighbor? What's the out? How can I get out of this deal? There has to be some kind of loophole where I can get off the hook because someone is not exactly my neighbor. So that's the setup for Jesus responding with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Okay, so a traveler is robbed and beaten and left for dead. Now, if a priest passed by this site a priest and a Levite absolutely should have known better than to walk by a site like this. In the law, repeatedly, God calls for mercy, mercy, mercy. Mercy to the poor, mercy to the broken, mercy to the hurting. And the priest and the Levite, as servants of God, and stewards of the law of God would have known those very scriptures by heart. Now, if this man on the side of the road, if he were Jewish, they should have shown deep concern for their fellow Israelite and nursed him back to health by taking him into their very own home. That's Leviticus 25, 41. If the man were a Gentile, not an Israelite, then they still should have shown concern for him as a foreigner in their land, and they should have cared for him as a brother because this was one of the ways that they were supposed to be a witness for God's goodness in Israel and that the God of Israel is good and compassionate and merciful and kind. Even though in other nations, people would have taken a man beaten by the road, and gone up to him and taken any more of his stuff that the robbers had left behind and killed him or made him into a prisoner? No, not in Israel. The witness of Israel to the world, based upon the commands of God, was if you're beat up in our country, we're going to take good care of you. We're not going to turn you into our slave, we're going to restore you back to hell. This is all part of how Israel was supposed to be God's representatives in the earth to all the nations of the world. And even more than that, the standard of the law commands that people not hide themselves. Now, the law commands that people not hide themselves even if their neighbor's animal is lost or fallen down. So if you see your neighbor's bull or your neighbor's donkey fallen in a ditch by the side of the road and you know it's your neighbor's donkey, the law commands that you are not allowed to just walk by you must help get that donkey out, whether your neighbor knows about it or not. If it's a long way, you can bring the donkey back to your own home and wait for your neighbor to come a-knocking and looking for the lost animal. But you cannot just walk by according to the standard of the law. So how much more? when this is a human being that is fallen down by the side of the road and clearly has been taken by thieves and bandits and left for dead. The priest and the Levite would have known this. Samaritans, now Samaritans were half breeds. They were considered half breeds. And there's a story for how Samaritans came to be in 2 Kings chapter 20. So basically, the northern kingdom of Israel, which was in the northern territory, which is where Samaria is, the northern kingdom of Israel was sent into exile when Assyria came and conquered them and scattered them into exile in 722 BC. Well, what happened? when the people were killed or exiled out of the land and Assyrians moved other people, foreigners, into the land, lions and wild beasts started to eat the new people that were in the land. And so the people said, wait a second, we must not be pleasing to the gods of this land. We need to bring some of the people back that were here before so that we figure out what's pleasing to the gods of this land so that the wild beasts stop killing us. So they went and they brought some Israelites back to teach them the ways of the God of Israel. And so the people of Israel came back, taught some of the ways of God, but then also adopted some of the ways of the Gentiles from the nations that had been brought in by the Assyrians to occupy the land that the Assyrians had conquered, which was the Northern Kingdom of Israel. I hope all of that sequence makes sense. So the Israelites are back, and now they're practicing this muddled, and compromised version of we're worshiping the God of Israel and we're worshiping the gods of the nations at the same time. It's all kind of blended together. And that's what Samaritans were known for. So by the times of Jesus, Samaritans were still regarded as half-breeds because of their ancestry based on the story that I just told you. So they were not considered to be genuine Jews or to have a pure bloodline. It had become mixed. So the Jews looked down on Samaritans as half-breeds and not part of the holy people. But the Samaritan, the Samaritan man, this half-breed man—now remember, Jesus is speaking in a parable, so he chose the most offensive person that he could possibly find to use as the example. The Samaritan— Cared for the man by the side of the road, the way that the priest and the Levite should have done, but they didn't. The Samaritan went above and beyond to make sure that this traveler was well cared for until he was made totally well. He used his own resources. He used his own oil and wine. He used his own money to bring this traveler to an inn. He put this traveler on his own animal to give him safe passage because he obviously couldn't walk by himself. And the Samaritan even went further. He paid the innkeeper and said, I'll be back and you keep taking care of him at the standard of care that I have demonstrated for you. And I will pay the total bill when I return. We're going to get this man well. We're going to care for this man until he is made totally well. And at that, at the end of the parable, Jesus asks, which one of these was the neighbor? So here's the biblical concept of a neighbor. The definition of the word neighbor from the law is a friend companion, a fellow or another person, a fellow person or a citizen. And it can even mean a person in the weaker sense of this is a person who is weaker than you. So there are examples of this. Leviticus 19, 18. This is exactly what we just read that the lawyer said from the law. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And Jesus, in the book of Matthew, he says something similar to this. It's not exactly the same, but he says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So you see how this all fits together. If you were that man who had been robbed, stripped, and left for dead, would you want someone to come and help you? Would you want someone to come and put you on their donkey or, in a modern context, take you into their car and drive you to a hotel and pay the bill while you were still unconscious and had no resources, no credit card, no cash, no ability to pay for yourself, no ability to get a doctor to care for your wounds? Would you want someone to take care of you the way that this Samaritan took care of this man? I think you would. And so Jesus is turning that around. Were you a neighbor? Did you fulfill the command of the law to be a neighbor and love your neighbor as yourself? Did you fulfill what you want others to do for you? then you also do to them. Which one of these, the priest who looked the other way, went the other way? The Levite who looked the other way, even though he could quote lots of scripture and was probably on his way to the next latest, greatest Bible study? Or was it the Samaritan who took care of him the way that you would want someone to take care of you? So that was what the lawyer responded The one who showed him mercy, that's the one who was the neighbor, the one who showed compassion, the one who showed kindness, the one who treated him as he wanted to be treated himself. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So what's the point? The one who was the good neighbor. See, that's the question that Jesus is answering. Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus turns it around to give the zinger, to give the point at the end of the parable, okay, you're asking me, who is a neighbor? I'm asking you, which one was the neighbor? The one that was the neighbor was the one who showed mercy. And if you really call yourself a follower of Jesus, then you also need to go and do likewise. What is Jesus doing? Jesus like the good Samaritan. He was despised by people, but he was the one who was fulfilling the law of God by showing mercy. What God desires is mercy. Yes, God desires that we love him with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our might, and that we love our neighbor as These two commandments are the two great commandments of the old covenant. This is the summary of the law and the prophets and what they require. We've said it many times in this course already. The new covenant does not contradict the old covenant. But in the new covenant, we have a new command from Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the old covenant on our behalf. We are no longer under the old covenant. We are no longer under the requirement of love the Lord your God or love your neighbor as yourself. But our covenant calls us to a higher standard, as is typical of Jesus teaching. Just like Jesus teaching, he says, you think that adultery is against the law. Well, I'm taking it to the level of if you look at a woman lustfully, you have sinned against God. You think that murder is against the law, but I'm taking it to the level of in your heart. If you are angry, then you are a murderer and in sin against God and against your brother. Well, this is like that. Our new covenant standard is raised. Jesus says, A new command I give you love one another as I have loved you. Wow. How did Jesus love us? Jesus loved us by fulfilling the requirement of the Old Covenant and laying his life down to show mercy to us. The New Covenant does not contradict the Old Covenant. It confirms it and takes it to the depths of the heart. Jesus loved so much. Jesus had so much mercy that he was willing to die in the place of sinners who deserved the wrath of God. So yes, this man by the side of the road, I'm sure the priest and the Levite, they saw it and they said, well, that's what you deserve. Obviously, God allowed that to happen to you. That's the judgment of God on your life. But what did Jesus do? Jesus came and he took the place of the one on the side of the road. He didn't just provide a place for the one on the side of the road to get better. He does that too. But he came and he took the place of the one who was beaten and scourged and robbed and left for dead. Jesus died at the hands of sinful men to redeem sinful men from their own sin. Friends, will you lay your life down for others the way Jesus laid his life down for you? Because that's the standard of new covenant love. That's the standard that God now expects and calls us to if we call ourselves followers of Jesus. Mercy. Mercy for others the way that we have received mercy from God. So the big picture of context three, those who submissively went out to spread the mercy of God through the proclamation of the gospel, healing the sick, cleansing the leper, casting demons out of people, they came back with great rejoicing at the glory of God. But the religious people who raised all their questions and objections, they were stunted in their ability to see and experience the mercy and the glory of God. God desires for us to be on a mission of mercy to the rest of the world. That is how we fulfill the purpose of God. That is how we represent God to the rest of the world. God is not light on sin, but He is heavy on mercy. God is ready like a father to the prodigal son, to receive sinners back to himself when they repent of their sins and turn to him. God is abounding in endless compassion and mercy for all who are lost and hurting and broken. And friends, if we are going to represent him, then that is what he requires of us.